Hi, everyone, and welcome to Viva La Flora Live Podcast, where we bring you the art and business of flowers. Stay tuned. Hey guys, I'm so excited. Today we're chatting with Joe Messi from England. He is a true artist. He's got five Chelsea gold medals, five you guys, consecutively, right? And that's not the only thing that defines Joe Messi. His work of art and his artistry through floral medium is what really does the does the talk. Uh, he's got some really exciting news to share towards the end, so stick around. I'm just going to stop talking. We're going to dive right into this episode. Hi, Joe. Welcome. Hi. Thank you so much for having me here. Are you kidding me? Thank you for sitting there at, what, 10 o'clock or 10.30 10 o'clock at night? At night. <laughs> it's not often that I do podcasts in the nude, but here we are, and I thought, Hi. why not? I'm joking, obviously. I'm sorry. That's not a video cast, you guys. <laughs> Can you imagine if I actually was, if I was like completely nude here talking? What a way to start a podcast with some some full frontal nudity. That's what I enjoy. And, and see flowers. Maybe a flower crown to go with that. What do you think? Cool. Well, whatever body adornment you think it needs, we can go from sure, there. But no, right? thank you so much for inviting me onto your <laughs> podcast. It's like such a pleasure to be here. And this is the first time that um, I've been on this podcast. And I'm just super excited to get to know you and chat through everything that we're going to talk about today. Man, same here. I mean, no, I know it. about you. I've seen your work and, you know, of course, amazing and wonderful. And stop he's it. blushing, by the way, for those of you who are wondering. Um I'm just kidding. But no, <laughs> really. And, you know, I think you've done some really amazing work. And what, by the age of 25, you had five gold medals from Chelsea Flower Show. I know. That's outrageous, you know, isn't it? No, no sweat. I mean, really, nothing. <laughs> I know. It's very outrageous. When I think of myself at that age, I just think, oh my God, like, I was <laughs> such a legend, you know? No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> um yeah yeah it's been like this has been the only job I've ever had my whole career so I started when I was like 14 years old I started off with um just like a weekend job like a Saturday job on Mm -hmm. a very very small flower stand in the in my hometown which is uh, I'm from Liverpool which is a city in the northwest of England Mm -hmm. um but I actually live just a little bit outside Liverpool in one of like it is statistically it's one of the poorest places in England like I I don't come from an ivory tower or anything fantastic in any way shape or form um yeah so I grew up in this in a borough called Nosley which is just outside Liverpool and it is the second poorest um borough in England so there we are I only found that out this week so that's my like fact of the week um because (laughs) I was chatting to a friend of mine that I used to go to school with and she was she sent me a link to it because she'd found the article and I was like no way but anyway so um that was where I started on a flower stall washing buckets uh changing water reprocessing flowers um for like on a Saturday morning that was what I did wow well I'm glad you did that because you know here we are I think we should tell your uh, city officials that Joe Massey with five gold medals lives there now so maybe they oh should just read the ratings of the I'm, town or something I moved a long time ago thank god could you imagine <laughs> but um, yeah it was one of those things where I think I think it's true of like every kid when wherever you grow up whatever the circumstances are like you think that that's normal and everything else and everyone else lives in something similar 
right? Regardless of whatever mm-hmm. country or whatever world you live in. And it's only as you start to get a little older that you're like, oh, not everyone lives like this. You know, some people live differently. Some people have it better off. Some people have it worse off. And so, yeah, it wasn't terrible, but equally it was not a fantastic place to grow up, shall we say. Um, but that said, gotcha. um, it was a starting point and that was all I kind of needed. So I had, I do have a confession though. Like when I was starting off in age 14 at the, on the flower stall, like I had no interest in floristry at all like I didn't care I went around all the shops in my village like the clothing shops the McDonald's like everywhere just asking for a job and the only place that said yes was the flower shop so that's kind of where I ended up gotcha I was actually gonna ask you you know if we went back and asked a five-year-old Joe hey what do you want to be when you grow up I, I bet the answer wasn't going to be uh, a florist. I would have said like Christina Aguilera. Like that's probably what I would have said, <laughs> you know? I'm joking. Um, but no, I wouldn't have said like a florist or an artist at all. I think when I was like a teenager, like maybe like 12, like 13, something, I think I wanted to be a doctor. That was my kind of like, oh, I want to be a doctor. Maybe I'd been watching too much Grey's Anatomy. I don't know. And when I started doing biology and I started like seeing like, bits some body parts i was like oh no i was like that's not for me like oh what? no so um uh, i made that decision pretty quickly that it wasn't for me but i oh, the only thing i knew to be honest with you was that i enjoyed floral design and that was something that i thought you know it's, it's worth pursuing right well i feel like you kind of uh you know uh merge art and flowers. And I, I think floral design is an art form in itself, of course. But I feel like you're sort of merging other visual arts, essentially, um, with floral arts in a way that it's kind of fresher, I oh, guess I should say. Stop. Yeah. Or it's slightly are you, it's different. Are you always so flirty you know? with all of your guests? I am, especially when they're nude uh, at 10 o'clock at night. In England, you know? Oh my God. Come on, <laughs> pass me a robe. Um, so <laughs> so uh, thank, thank you so much for the lovely compliments, I do have to say. Um, but for me, that was a very long journey. Really? It was not something that I kind of came to really really easily or kind of had this vision of like a roadmap of like where it would kind of go so for me Mm -hmm. let me i'll give you a brief kind of overview of my career from the age of 14 to 16 i was in school um and just like working on the weekends or after school Mm -hmm. then when i was 16 and 17 i went to study in um a green college here like a horticultural college i did two years of education Mm -hmm. and then from the age of I think like 18 to 20, that was when I was working in like a retail flower store, putting my education to use. And that was when I heard about like floral competitions and really started to get interested, I guess, in floristry more as an art form. Because in the day-to-day production of the shop and the things that we would do, it was not particularly that interesting. Like it was fine, but I was working in a retail flower shop. So it was a lot of the same kind of things, you know, making bouquets and making arrangements and it was enjoyable, but it it wasn't like, whoa, look at this crazy installation. (laughs) And for me, I have to say that competitions were a way to express creativity and it was a way to do something a little bit different. And it was just fun. Like it was a great way to test your skills, to test your creativity, to get your name out there. Like to me, whenever I was thinking, 
speak to anyone who's like maybe debating doing competitions or you know debating putting themselves out there in that platform i'm always like you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain so just, right. just do it girl like just do it so um yeah. so i did the competitions and then i actually worked for a couple of different um companies i did some stuff in retail then i moved into like the wedding and events section and then i moved to new york for the best part of a year and then i was just kind of i'd I'd made this decision in my head that i didn't want my own company until i was like 25 i don't know where that Mm -hmm. kind of came from but i was like no like i want to like experience as much as i can like i want to travel i want to do like everything that I can without the commitment of, okay, I've got rent to pay. I've got wages to pay. I've got tax to pay. Like, you know, you know what I mean? All that kind of stuff mm-hmm. that goes wrong with the business, the responsibility, I guess. Um, the 80% of having a business. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> when I was turned 25, I was like, all right, let's kind of get started. And um, I freelanced for about 18 months, two years. And when I was 27, I kind of started my company. So I'm 32 now. So I've only actually been in business myself for five years. And when I started off, like we didn't have this vision of, okay, we'll have like an education part of the company and we'll have like, uh, you know, the flower, what we call it, like the flower side of the company, like for weddings and events mm-hmm. and deliveries. And, um, and then we'll have like an art side where we do like installations and sculptures. Like that was not really the plan. Like, I wish I could say to you, oh my God, I had this vision. It was a vision. It was not a vision. It was a case of (laughs) what brings in money? What can we see what happens? You know, let's try a little bit of this. And I always remember in the UK, we have this program. I know, I know you have it in the States too, but with someone we're going to talk about uh, called The Apprentice. And like over here, it's Uh run by this guy called Alan Sugar. He's like a businessman, Mm -hmm. really, really successful. And I remember like watching that one. I used to love business programs as as like a teenager. And one, in one episode, I remember him saying, saying oh, like you have to smell what sells like and if you i think it was like a challenge where they had to go to a wholesaler and like buy things and then sell them and then go back to the wholesaler and buy more of what's sold and sell more of it and that was really my approach to the company it really was i did no market research we had no money it was desperate <laughs> it was very much a case of let's put ourselves out there in these different areas and really see what happens you know smell what sells and, and go from there I like that analogy much better than mine. Mine is like, it's the spaghetti on a wall, you know, whatever sticks, you just go with that. Well, it's the same thing, whatever you call it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And right. like, I, uh, we, I started off with a thousand pounds in the bank for my business. I really oh, did. Man. So we had like no money. We didn't do like extensive research or I didn't spend, I didn't have the money, you know, like do a huge business plan for a year and speak to people and figure out it was really a case of like, I'm back from New York. I have zero work booked. Let's make something happen. You know what I mean? Oh, wow. And it was it was super exciting and terrifying. But yeah, I'm, I think I'm really lucky now because we have different parts of the business which require like different things. And there's always something going on, which is fun. And I'm the type of person, I'm sure you've got, you've been talking to me for 10 minutes already. You can tell I don't shut up. And I always like to have something interesting to do. You know, I never like to just do like one thing for like 20 years or something that would like, oh my God, no. I like to always have a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And yeah, I just like it. It keeps it fresh, you know? I can, I can totally relate to that. If I have less than three projects happening at the same time, mm-hmm. I'm bored. Yeah. I am, I'm bored. Yeah. I, I just, 
just am. So yeah, no, totally understand what that's. Yeah, I can relate one hundred percent. We have inner five year olds who are just like, I want to do that, and I want to yes. do that, and I want to do that, and I've I've always been the same way. Like if we were being very kind to ourselves, we can be like, oh, we have like renaissance personalities you know what i mean like we like to do a bit of this and a bit of that and a little bit of this but really what it is is i just don't like being bored like and i think nowadays in the kind of you know in the world that we live in with i mean the state of the world as it is things have changed you know maybe for my parents and for your parents and for our grandparents you got a job and you were in it for 40 years, 50 years, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You would even stay with one company for that long, you know, with that kind of loyalty. Nowadays, I, I think that really doesn't exist anymore. And I think that everyone likes, there's so many people now that have side hustles or side gigs or, you know, bits and pieces do, you know, freelancing here. And I think it's just part of modern living, I think. I think there'll be more of that as time goes on. Oh, 100%. Well, I, it's not It's not just that, um, you know, people are kind of getting bored. I think um, one of the biggest things that I personally see changing is the education, formal education as it is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'm not even talking about floristry. I'm talking about just about anything and everything, right? I mm-hmm. honestly, like, I can go and watch a YouTube video and learn how to do all kinds of things. I mean, I cannot do an open heart surgery <laughs> watching a YouTube surgery, YouTube channel. I mean, certain things... <laughs> right? Certain things don't qualify for that. But, you know, I think the, the fact that like the world is changing and people are having the side hustles and things like that, because there's this information overload, I think is happening, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just, everybody's an expert in something nowadays. Mm-hmm. And anything you want to learn, you can pretty much either hire a private tutor or go and take a private class or whatever. It doesn't even have to be private class or group classes or whatever and learn this niched something, whatever it is, whether mm-hmm. it's floral mm-hmm. art, art or it's, I don't know, being a mechanic, fixing cars. And I, I don't know. I mean, well, those are the examples in my head. Who but... has the time anymore? You know what I mean? To go to and college yeah. five years, seven mm-hmm. years, like... Yeah, I think the world is a big place and with the internet, it's everyone, everything has become so much more Mm -hmm. interconnected. So if you can have it at your fingertips and try it, then you can figure out if it's for you or not. Like I often think if I didn't have that experience when I was 14 of like going around the little village where I lived and seeing, you know, if anyone would take me on, how would I have discovered floral design? Like I wouldn't have, right. right? You know what I mean? Like right. unless I put myself in that situation and really like chance or fate or whatever, like had yeah. a hand in that and I ended up, you know, liking it and being good at it and all the rest of it. Like in traditional education, I would have never had a chance to explore right. floral design, you know? Oh, 100%. And yeah, I mean... I, I agree. I mean, that's, that's one of the things that I kind of look at the world now. I'm like, wow. I mean, I mean, I come from a family where traditional education is the thing, you know, I'm Armenian mm-hmm. and it's, it's a thing, you know, mm-hmm. it's not a matter of, Hey, if you're going to go to college, it's like, which college you're going to go. Right. So, mm-hmm. so there, it's not an, if it's, it's what, so that's where I kind of come from. But then to see in today's generation, you know, where everybody's like, I, I don't necessarily need to have a college degree to do X. I can go and have a business mm-hmm. and, you know, make it happen. Mm-hmm. And then, then, then it's kind of really good to see actually this, this change, honestly, because I, I think informal education is, I don't know, needs some serious changes mm-hmm. <laughs> of the traditional educational system. I would agree. I would agree with you. I mean, we find so many people that come to our hands-on classes because um, we have a like mm-hmm. a, a hands-on school in Liverpool, in, in my home city. And we do, I obviously teach around the world. Ha! Huh. 
usually um, <laughs> when there's not pandemics going on. And even that we have like an online forum for our online courses as well with about 300, 400 people in there. And the amount of people that we have that are coming into floral design as like a second career right. after like a first career or after raising kids or something and they're getting the chance to explore it, mm-hmm. at, you know, a slightly later stage in life. That's a huge amount of our students, you know, because right. so many people maybe didn't have that opportunity, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago to explore maybe what they wanted to um, because society or family or um, peer pressure maybe might have led them down a slightly different road. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think it's cool now that people can try a little bit of something without committing seven years of their life and then finding out they don't like it at the end. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, and discover what they actually really enjoy. I mean, Mm. if I went to my parents at age... 17, you know, when I finished high school and like, so I'm going to go do flowers. They would have a heart attack. Mm. I kid you not. They would really what, have do a heart your, attack. what did your parents do? If, if you don't mind me asking. Oh no, not at all. Uh, so my dad was an engineer. He <laughs> had two master's degree and, uh, oh my gosh. PhD and, 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 and my mom had, and well, he had three degrees actually. Engineer was one of them. Um, mm-hmm. architect, engineer, and, some sort of mathematical something, something. Mm-hmm. My mom is a teacher. Well, well, she doesn't work right now, but um, teacher and child psychiatry was her second major. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to be a doctor. I ended up becoming a dentist, mm-hmm. but never wanted to do flowers at all. Like I wanted mm-hmm. to be a doctor. And unlike you, it the body parts didn't scare me. You know, <laughs> the gorier, the bloodier, the messier, the more exciting I could See, but your parents <laughs> you know? would have like blown up into some body parts <laughs> if you would have come home and said, I'm not going to college. I'm going to go and take some community classes. Or your yeah. parents would have been like, absolutely no way is that oh, going to be oh, happening, yeah. you know? They, they would, they would have a heart attack. I kid you not. And even when mm-hmm. I, you know, mm-hmm. I, when I came here and I called them up one day and I said, you know, I decided I'm not going to do dentistry um, anymore, you know, in the U.S. because I mean, I, yes, I finished dental school back home. I got the diploma and all of these things. Great. That's wonderful. Well, guess what doesn't cross the ocean with you? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you go to United States, your license. So I come here mm-hmm. and I'm like, all right, well, I live here now. So maybe I should do the schooling here. And I realized I need half a million dollars to become a dentist in, in, in this country. Mm. I don't, I, I don't need that that bad being there, done that. No, thanks. Oh, I need to figure gosh. out what I'm going to do with my life. Yeah. And I, yeah, ironically enough, I discovered flowers in a dental office. Right. And when I told my mom, I think I'm going to do this. And my mom's like, what about your degree? I'm like, what about my degree? <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, it was a hard conversation for her to digest. And she's really happy now, you know, and I love competing myself. I've done some competitions and now she's actually proud of me and she's happy That's and excited. So good. Like, I'm real cool. That's so but good. yeah, but it was, a, it was a, um, it was an interesting kind of a hurdle for her to overcome, you know, essentially. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, let's talk about education a little more. So you're teaching classes and you have some exciting things coming up. So mm. talk to me about, talk to us about your classes. Sure. So we have kind of the education part of our business has kind of got two kind of legs to it, if that makes sense. So we have a hands-on school in Liverpool where we teach um, like hands-on classes. And I do have to say, 
it's quite rare that you will find me teaching in those classes nowadays. I have a team of great, a lovely little team of uh, three tutors, and they handle most of that, to be fair, which is really, really cool. And then we just started, actually, maybe like two, two-ish months ago, um, we launched our first kind of collection of online courses. Now, this was something that we were working on back in December, I think, last year. We started kind of pulling ideas together and looking mm-hmm. at different platforms and like budgeting and all that kind of stuff um and we were actually due to launch this spring in april but you know a little global pandemic came along um and we didn't really think it was it wasn't really the right time i didn't think frankly to be like everyone buy my courses you know this is so exciting when everyone is like (laughs) worrying about the air they're breathing and where they're gonna get toilet paper from and everything so (laughs) we were just like let's leave it a little bit and we'll come back to it further down the road so we actually launched in july this year and um the feedback has been phenomenal like the launch was so 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 good it was so exciting and um yeah it was just it was really it was really good fun like i have to tell you like it was so much fun to see that community grow um and to just connect from people from like all over the world who are like learning things for the first time or even kind of just taking a new look at some of the things that they they might have learned a different way and finding slightly more modern ways to do it right which is like super exciting so we currently have six courses currently available online and one of the main things i wanted to do was make sure they were like super accessible so they're like super cheap like we have i think our courses start at like 89 dollars. i think 89 dollars. 89 dollars. yeah really like 89 dollars. Yeah. yeah 89 like eight nine they're cheap wow yeah they're really cheap have you not seen them girl <gasps> oh my gosh I- no, it's called dirt cheap. Dirt what that's cheap. Called, but okay. yeah, yeah. So we have. Um, don't, I don't know the prices off the top of my head, but we have. I think three of the courses are like, and they're each one is kind of like project based. So you might be learning like a classical hand tied bouquet, or you might be learning a table centerpiece, or you might be learning a wired flower crown, for example. And there, I'm pretty confident they're like eighty nine dollars each. We have them in like three tiers, so we have eighty nine for like the lowest ones then some of the ones that are a little bit more technical um a little bit more difficult or maybe the videos are just a lot more involved they're 149 and then we have the most expensive ones are 249 but the videos for those are nearly like an hour long like it's it's full-on kind of technical things but that said because it was our first kind of entry into the marketplace we kind of thought you know let's just put out a handful of them let's put out like six courses and just see what sells like see see if anyone buys them first of all you know what i mean (laughs) so we put them out there and yeah smell what sells exactly exactly (laughs) that's exactly right so we did that and um they seem to go pretty well and so we've actually got another collection of four courses which are launching on the 21st of september so this new collection of courses it's a little it's kind of like filling in the gaps a little bit because we couldn't cover everything Mm -hmm. with the first kind of launch so in this collection we have a classical hand-tied bouquet like a european hand-tied bouquet we have a cascading bridal bouquet created entirely from orchids but it has like 
no wiring in it. It's like the quickest technique ever. It's so good. We have like a statement earned, we would say, like a like a big altarpiece or something that you would put it, you know, for a wedding mm-hmm. or event. Mm-hmm. And we have a meadow tablescape as well. So over here in Europe, like a lot of um, like preserved and dried materials are like super popular at the minute. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of using all of those kind of materials. So and those four courses, we are going to launch them on the twenty first of September, and they are going to be two nine nine for that whole collection of courses it's nearly three hours worth of tuition so uh with obviously all the supporting documentation and access to our private facebook group and all the rest of it so yeah so we're pretty excited it'll be really good fun i think that is that is exciting and i have to say it's it is very affordable. And I would say that was a really smart decision on your end as well. Because I mean, right now, a lot of people are also hurting financially in in, in a way, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And have a lot of time and also considering mm-hmm. if they want to make career changes and things like that. So, mm-hmm. so I think your course actually probably came in at a perfect timing at a perfect price. Well, I am proud how, how affordable it is actually. We did some research as well about looking at the kind of what price points people were offering online courses on, um, just so we could see kind of see what the marketplace was like, right? Mm -hmm. But the other thing we really had to bear in mind is here in the UK, you can study one year of forestry education for free if it is your first higher level education course. So by that, we mean if it's the first course that you are taking straight out of education, whether you are 16 or 18, or whether you have maybe left school 10 years ago, but have never done a further education course, you can go and study floristry in a further education college for free. So that's a really very different thing to a lot of countries out there, you know, especially in America where from what I understand, nothing is free. So so for me, it is a slightly different situation. So we have a lot of people here in the UK who can access training for free and learn some of the basics for free. So that was something that we had to bear in mind too. So it has to be economical because if people can get training for free, then I can't charge $5,000 for my training course. You know what I mean? And the other thing that was important too is I remember what it was like when I was a student as well. Like when I was like 16, 17, I was on minimum wage. Like I wasn't earning tons of money. And I, I remember that feeling of what it's like to have to save to buy a book or to have to save to go on a course, you know? Um, I might not be in that position now, but at the same time, like that stuck with me forever. Like I, I grew up in a, not the most affluent situations. And I remember what it's like to like want knowledge and want to be better and want to learn more, but not be able to, not be able to afford it, I guess. So by keeping the courses really, really, really accessible, that was important to us. I mean, like with everything that we offer, like you get a better deal if you purchase a bundle, right? So we have like a bundle for our first collection Mm -hmm. because you're buying more. So we give a discount on it. Um, And the same with our second collection. Like if you buy all of them, you get a discount. But I'm very much aware that people might just want to learn one particular thing right? You know, you might know, you might be great at bouquets, you might be great at cascading bouquets, but you might have never made, I don't know, like a really fantastic flower crown. So just just learn that. You don't have to learn everything. Mm-hmm. And we're not asking people, you know, you don't sign up for a long time. It's not something you need to continually be paying. It's something that you can just learn that one thing. Great. I'll see you later. 
I think that's fantastic. Um, I'm excited to check it out. Yes, I definitely, uh, I definitely am. Stop it. I knew, I knew you, I knew you launched it, and I know you have, you know, new launch coming up. You said September 21st. Yes, September 21st. So, um, I would say the day we launch with the podcast. Yes, Yay. I was going to say. So <laughs> between me and you, like, don't go and buy anything before the 21st. Wait till the 21st because on the 21st, okay. when this podcast comes out. So if you're listening to this now. Yeah, there will be great discounts on the site. So on the 21st, not only are we having um, our new collection is discounted, of course, but everything mm-hmm. on there that is currently on there now will be discounted as well. So between me and you, don't buy today. Wait 10 days and, and then buy and you'll get a better deal. So right. yeah. there, you <laughs> there you are. You all heard it here, okay? <laughs> Directly from him now. There you go. My manager will so, be like, what and, are you saying? Don't buy now. And I'll be like... I'm like, what is wrong with you? Didn't we talk about basically, this? Basically, <laughs> I know. Sorry. Anyway. So, and we'll share all of the links leading up to how to find all these classes and all this information on the show notes. So you don't have to make any notes, you guys. So, Amazing. You know, but... No, that's, that's, that's great. That That's awesome. So like looking back into your career right now from this point, like where you are, of course, you know, it's kind of hard to tell where tomorrow is going to be, mm-hmm. you know, considering today's climate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, today's political and pandemic and everything else climate. Yep. <laughs> so what was like the most rewarding moment of your career where you sort of like set back and you're like, wow, all, all that. Oh my gosh. This is it. It was worth it. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. I mean, there's one thing. Ooh, that's a good question. Oh, that's a good question. So there's one thing that made it worth it all. I have to say, okay, so I think it was my very first Chelsea Gold medal, I think, because I was 20 years old at the time. And like for me, like 100% honesty, even being at Chelsea Flower Show felt unreal. You know, it felt like the biggest prize on the planet, even to just get the chance to exhibit, to compete there. Because right. I was a, uh, <laughs> I was, I am, <laughs> not that I was, um, I'm a guy. I am quite Northern. So I'm from a very, you know, Chelsea is held in London. It's very affluent, very wealthy. Right. You know, it's, you know, most of the competitors are female. I'm, I, gay man i'm northern i was from a very poor background so chelsea felt almost like competing on the moon you know what i mean like that's <laughs> what i equated it to like i was like people like me don't get to be here do you know what i mean and no oh, one yeah. t- no one ever told me that but that's how it felt because i didn't fit in there was how it was. And there were no, there was no discrimination. There was nothing like that, but that was just kind of the subliminal story that I had been told by everything I saw around me was you don't belong here. This is not the area for you. You shouldn't be here. You can't afford to be here. There's no one like you here. So even for me to win a place to compete at that show was like, the coolest thing ever. And I said to myself (laughs) in my head beforehand, I was like, regardless of whatever happens, like even you being here is an achievement and you should be so proud of yourself. So when I won the first medal, like I literally was like, oh my God, like what, this is crazy. Do you know what I mean? Like this is Mm -hmm. actually crazy. And it felt like that moment, I will always remember it. It felt incredibly surreal but it also felt like 
it was kind of like a vindication or a validation. I was like, I'm good enough. Like I can do this. Like you're all like skinny and you're all female and you're all Southern and rich, but I can do this. And obviously I'm joking. Not everyone was skinny and female and Southern and rich, (laughs) but that was kind of how it felt to me at 20 years old. You know, I didn't fit in, but I did the best and I won. And then I, I think that's kind of why I did it again, because I thought, oh, I'll just, was it a fluke? I think when you come from an outside perspective, right. like you think, well, maybe people will think it was just lucky. Maybe it was just a chance. You know what I mean? So you do it again. Then I won again. And I was like, okay, like, this is pretty cool. Like, you know what I mean? This is amazing. Right. And this is now a yeah, exactly. Like, go exactly. So I was like, all right, and I'll do it again. And for me, those Chelsea medals were kind of the vindication that I was good enough and that it wasn't just luck or chance that I happened to win just once. And it wasn't easy. Like doing those competitions year after year, the pressure gets tougher. Oh yeah. It gets more it's more expensive to do because Chelsea is not a cheap flower show to attend at all. And for me it was it felt like I was starting to make a bit of a name for myself as kind of like a bit of a enfant terrible kind of thing you know like this young cocky guy that could like that was like winning things at like the world's best shows and stuff and i look back at it now and i think oh my god i i would swear if i wasn't being recorded but i think oh my god like how brave were you at 20 years old like the first time i did chelsea flower show let me tell you i went down on the train to london i had all my flowers in you have ikea in america right so you know what i mean by like the big blue ikea bags do you know what i mean like so i took all my i have yeah okay great me too so i took all the flowers down in my blue ikea bags Like, because (laughs) I didn't know where to go in London to buy flowers. I didn't know, I didn't drive. You know what I mean? So I was like, how am I going to get there? Like, I've got no idea. So I went down with all my flowers. I pre-cut them, put them in test tubes, put them in boxes. I had them on the two big blue I've got my hands out to my side. You can't even see me. Like, and the people on the podcast won't be able to see me. But these big two bags of like flowers and my armature, my structure that I had with me as well. And I was staying with a friend of a friend who I didn't know because I couldn't afford a hotel. Right. And I was staying in this place called uh, in Peckham, which is South London, which is now it's quite trendy. But like 10 years ago was like, you are going to get shot. You know what I mean? Right. And I turned up at like this guy's house and there was a key underneath like the doormat to let me in. And like, it was, it was, oh my God, I can't even tell you. Like I had no idea. I had no idea about having an idea like I I was like I did, it was I you know what I mean I didn't have like a great mentor or I didn't have someone that was there with me like it was it was amazing when I think back of it I'm grinning now even thinking of it like it was so cool but I think the the key thing that I, I think that anyone listening to this should know is that like those situations that have just fallen into your lap you know what I mean that being able to compete at Chelsea took like you know a lot of work mm-hmm. and a lot of dedication and a lot of time and but it it does go to show that anything's possible, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I agree. Yeah. I think you having clueless and 
if you don't mind me calling you clueless at 20, but right. In a way, I think coming from that side of things and I think is what maybe gave you the leg up and you probably were a breath of fresh air to, you know, all the skinny women over there. <laughs> just saying. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> it was got, it became more pressured as I went on. Like at the first time when I did it, I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. And then when you do it the second year, you're like, oh, can I do it again? Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is awesome. And then you do it a third time and all the rest of it. And I stopped competing when I was 25 because it wasn't not fun, but it was also nowhere near as fun as it was. Does that make sense? Because I'd done it so many times and like there was more and more pressure to do it. And uh, it just felt like I wasn't sure when when I should stop. Do you know what I mean? Like that's right. that's a really I've never shared this on a podcast before, but that was very much the situation. I was like, well, do I go on till I'm a hundred? Like, do I go on till I have ten gold medals? Like, what do I do? And eventually I wasn't gonna win. You know, probability says that someone's gonna beat me at some point. And so I thought five was like a nice kind of a nice number. It's, it is a nice number. It has a yeah. nice little ring. Yeah. Yes. No, I'll I agree. actually share with you something. That, think, sorry to interrupt. I was actually due to go, go back the- this year to, for Chelsea for the first time to do an exhibition there to compete for the first time in like 10 years. But the pandemic <laughs> put, a, put a stop to that. So I took that as like Jesus being like, you don't need to. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It was like, you don't need you- to. I think you earned your stars and stripes. Oh, as far stop as it. Stop it. Yeah, no. Yeah. But, uh, have you ever uh, have you ever competed in um, your Euro Cup or World Cup or have you ever thought about doing any of those competitions at all? Sure. So I've done the young versions of those competitions. So mm-hmm. in the young European finals, which is called Euroflares, I did it first when I was I think I was eighteen. I did it first, and I came ninth place, which was like not that good. Um, and then I did it again when I was twenty or 22 mm-hmm. something like that I, I i can't really remember i'll check check my, i'll read my bio and let you know i, I can't remember the my head. i think i was like 20 i think i was and i came second place by like 0.1 mark and i was like oh i'm done like i was like i have no interest in that like behave so i came second in that and then i did the young world finals um the world skills mm-hmm. competition back in 2009 when i was 21 and mm-hmm. I came third place in that bronze medal. So um, right. so would I do any of the kind of World Cup or Euro Cup? So this is a really interesting thing as well. So um, I did actually, the Euro Cup was due to take place this year in Poland, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did get in touch with the organizers to see like what the protocol was right. for entering yourself. Because we have we do have an organization here called the, the BFA, like the British Florist Association. But I didn't want to enter under their terms and with their kind of like guidance. It's just not something I see myself doing. So I did ask if you can enter yourself. And they were like, basically, no, you can't. And I was like, okay, Mm. thanks. Goodbye. So I don't think I ever will. And um, the, the, yeah, and the World Cup, I think, is done with like Interflora or Flora. And I'm not a Uh, not. FTD, yeah. I think FTD. FTD. And I'm not affiliated with FTD in any way. So there's once again, I think you have to there's be. There's a loophole. Oh, is there? There's a loophole? There's a loophole. Oh, okay. I found out. Oh. Because I'm very curious about it. Oh, is it money? Do you have to pay to do it? 
Uh, yes. So, um, in the, in the world of all things being digital and people ordering online and a lot of studio florists want to sort of accommodate their clients, FTD opened it up, at least in US. Uh, I don't know if it's, um, the case for you guys in the UK. In US, you can actually set up an FTD account as an independent florist, as long as you have a le- legitimate business, which you do, um, that you cater to your clients who are ordering for you, you know, online or you have clients who are ordering from, you know, out of state or, you know, from different towns and cities or whatever. Um, Uh And I think it's like, it's literally like $30 a month or something ridiculous like that, that you have that affiliate account with FTD, right? And that basically qualifies you to enter the competition. So um, that is, I know that exists in the US. A secret loophole. I found out last year about it, you know, because oh, last okay. year World Cup was in uh, U.S. In, mm-hmm. Philadelphia. in Philadelphia. Yes, yeah. and, and uh, I was there watching it, you know, mm-hmm. with like my nails and everything. I, I love competitions, by the way. I like just thrive. I, I, just something else. Just, <laughs> I love that. I can't explain, you know, but um, <laughs> but yeah, um, I mean, yeah, I, I just thrive in that situation. So it's just, I, I don't even know why and how. But anyway, so yeah, I was I was there and I was very curious about it. And then when I found out it's FTD, I'm like, oh, darn it. Like, I, I'm not an FTD florist and I have no mm-hmm. intent of becoming one. I don't have mm-hmm. a flower shop, you know, mm-hmm. I do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my, my business model is very different, doesn't fit into that. And then I found out from a good friend who found out that that, that is possible. And, you know, he's was signing up. I'm like, Haha, okay. Think about that one. That's so I don't really know. interesting. That's well, really you, interesting. Yeah. If you want to explore, I mean, again, again, I don't know how it is in UK, essentially. Mm. Or mm. you can set up a satellite business, you know, in US. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine? Me, the American competitor is Joseph Masley. Oh, can you imagine? How funny and would that here be? I am from Liverpool. Um, Yay. <laughs> Can you imagine with my accent? Oh my God. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think competitions, they have such an interesting place in floral design. And I, I, I genuinely find that like uh, floral designers, they fall into two camps. Like either they're like totally for them and they love them and they think they're awesome or they've like never heard of them. And they're just like, what? Like, I don't know what that is. And I wouldn't have the career I have. I wouldn't have the skills that I have or the context that I have or anything that I have if I, if I didn't do competitions, Mm -hmm. because I just think there's so much to gain from doing them so much to gain from doing competitions. So, um, yeah, I think I think more people should do them. I really do. Oh, I hundred percent agree. I, it pushes the limits, you know, to what you even mm. thought was possible. I think um, the funny thing is, in in US, it is not as um, as uh, well known or respected or coveted as it is in Europe. I would say mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. there's definitely um, a specific crowd of florists that are kind of craving that for sure. But a lot of florists in US don't don't really see the value in it um mm. you know i'm not judging it's just it's just is it's just the reality of, of it is but mm. when i was in europe i mean it is it's very different for european florists mm. actually you know it just seems mm. like it's like a way of living like it just you just got to do this well it is because it feeds directly into your business model like you know if you're doing well at competitions like i think the best way to kind of maybe describe how competitions are in europe to people in the US or in other countries, maybe, is to think of it mm-hmm. as like a PR exercise. 
Do you know what I mean? Like if you do, if you do well at the competition and, you know, you get a trophy, it can go in your local media and you can put on your website and then other people will want to come and train with you and take your classes and buy your books and da 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 because, oh, you've Mm -hmm. got this, 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 this kind of award. Um, You know, but it's definitely something like, like any form, any part of a business, you have to invest in it. You don't just do one competition and then you can like open a school like you know i think people like to see like a um consistent like a history of yeah consistency yeah exactly they want to see someone who's like done really well for a while and um and then you go from there i think but yeah that's how i've always seen it anything that we do like anything that i put money behind because let's be honest to compete costs money it's time especially the bigger competitions like oh my god when i think of like all the training i put in for world skills or all the training i put in for euroflurs twice i think oh my gosh like there was so much time and money I spent on those competitions. Um, so there has to be a, a payback for it, right? Oh, there yeah. has to be some payoff. Otherwise, I may as well go and take up crochet or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> Expensive well, crochet, I, you know? Yeah. When I looked into the uh, American Cup, I'm like, okay, so what, what would this take? What this path would look like for me, essentially, if I did it? I mm-hmm. had a very beautiful eight-year-long trajectory set for myself that I can do this, you know, mm-hmm. and the amount of time and training and whatever. I'm like, okay, fine. And that's, that doesn't scare me. And then I realized that there's like about $10,000 just to enter the competition. I'm like, oh, wow. well, I don't know if I really want it that bad right now. So that's, that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's, yeah. that's 10 times more than I kind of want bad, you know? So <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was the hold back for me a little bit. I'm like, you know what? Not yet. One day, not today. So yeah, that was that was kind of interesting, well, and that was the entry fee, and not not counting everything else. You know, well, it's that kind of thing that I was kind of looking at with the Europa Cup because our organization, the the BFA, they will pick someone or they did pick someone, I don't know mm-hmm. who it is, to go and enter the Europa's competition. It's now taking place next summer, I think. Mm-hmm. Or next spring, I don't know. But yeah, anyway, they so mm-hmm. they delayed it a year, right? So it's going to be, you know, someone will be representing the UK. And I thought, well, let's find out if I can buy myself a place there because I'm pretty successful now. And I thought, why not? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it could be really, right. like, I have to be honest with you. I thought it could be really fucking cool to kind of go in there and be like, oh, I'm here. Hi. Here's the mic. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, okay. Oh, hey. Hey girl, here I am. I thought that would be really fun. But um <laughs> but they were like the organizers were like, oh no, it's one person per country. And I was like, oh whatever. And then I kind of thought, oh, shall I just make it my own country? Mm. No, I didn't. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> the messy land. There you go. Messy land. Yeah, I'm the president and the king of it. Thank you. Um, but there we are. So <laughs> So throughout the um throughout your career, I mean, there's some really good floral designers in Europe that done really well in as far as on on a world stage of floral design. Um, have you ever mm-hmm. studied with any of them, and have you ever you know had any of them as mentors? Oh, for sure. So when I was pretty young, I would say like when I was like seventeen ish, mm-hmm. I remember writing an email to like some of the best floral designers in the UK. And back then it was people um, who, and they, I, I must say these people are still great floral designers, but maybe they're not as well known now as they were like 15 years ago. It was people like Sarah Horn, 
people mm-hmm. like Ian Lloyd, people like Neil Whitaker, like those kind of names. And I wrote an email to like all of them being like, my name is Joe Massey and I'm a mega fan. And if you ever need any help with anything, like, uh, et cetera. And a couple of them got back to me and I would, I would go and assist them at demonstrations and help them prepare. I was never paid ever. You know what I mean? Like I would right. pay my own hotel, pay my own transportation. Like I would pay, they would get a, a, an assistant for free basically, but I would right. get to see what they were doing and see how a show came together and see how they right. would do this and see how they would do that. And I loved that. Like, I thought that was like the coolest thing ever. You know what I mean? Wow. Um, and then when I got a little bit older, yeah, I definitely like, I would save all my wages and invest in my career. So I would, I remember being like 18 years old and booking, like I would save up my wages and nearly every month or every like two months, maybe I would book a workshop or book a course for someone mm-hmm. um, because it was the only way that I could see myself getting somewhere Mm -hmm. yeah progressing yeah it was the only way i thought right well i'm gonna have to learn as much as i can from as many different people and so that 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 was yeah that was what i did and then when i was in when i was training for the world finals for the euro skills Mm -hmm. i got to train with some of like the best people like out there so i got to train with like gregor lursch of germany Mm -hmm. uh benjamin of sweden um a personal hero of mine ellie lynn of taiwan her her, yeah she's amazing oh my gosh ella uh, Herb Patan of Belgium, uh, Marie-Francois Dupre of France, like literally like I got to train with like the best of the best of the best. And in some ways that was really, really good for me because I got to meet some of the most influential talented people in Mm -hmm. the world and got to like say hi to them and kind of like study with them for, I don't know, two days, three days, five days, whatever it would be. And I got to absorb so many different things from like so many different aesthetics. But at the same time, it was also a little bit detrimental to me because I think it took me a lot longer to figure out what my own personal style was. Does that make sense? Yeah. that And that's an interesting point, actually. Yeah. that, that mm, Because I think if you look at my work from like the competition years, like 18 to like mm-hmm. 25, I think I only ever did what was required to win. Ah. So I think if you look, if you, if you go on Google and go on the dark web and find (laughs) like the history of my competition work, I think there are a couple of threads that are starting to come together. There are a couple of visual notes that I can pick up and be like, oh yeah, I always used gold leaf i always use silver leaf i was always big on using like minerals i always used chain like chain mm-hmm. links were something i always used and there were a couple of things that i could tie together myself and you can start to see them progress throughout the years but it was really only when i started my own practice my own company mm-hmm. that i started to see it kind of coalesce into this is what I do and this is how I do it and for the longest time I remember thinking oh I just don't have my own style Mm. like I don't because like and this sounds arrogant but I don't mean it in an arrogant way I mean it in a sense of like well tell me what you want I can do anything 
If you mm. want something very sparse and Scandinavian and very linear, cool, I can make that. If you want something with, you know, something very clean and incredibly contemporary with something crazy like woodwork or metalwork or plastics or something, like I can do that, that's no problem. You want something highly decorative or incredibly historical, like I, that's no problem. Like mm. I deliver that. And I think it took me a really long time to kind of get all of that out of my system after learning it not get it out my system, but kind of like get a palate cleanser, like have some sorbet and kind of right. kind of cleanse that out a little and kind of be like, okay, that's cool. So now I know the techniques, but what does my artistic vocabulary look like? Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. And it's so funny you said that. I never actually thought about it in, in, in those terms. Mm-hmm. I actually have taken classes with quite a few of the people that you actually mentioned, which is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I had a pleasure of hanging out with Neil Whitaker for mo- multiple days, working backstage with him, and I had a blast. Uh, he's great. I was blown away by his skills, actually, like mm-hmm. mad skills, mm-hmm. you know, just the technical skills that I've learned from him, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. same with Gregor and you know everybody else. Haven't studied with Ali, and I am dying to do that. It hasn't uh, hasn't hasn't happened she, quite yet. My God! Well, she doesn't teach so often in Europe or no, in America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think whenever I think it was just a case of like the stars aligning that a workshop right. came up, and I was like. I'm going. This is my. This could be my only opportunity, right? So yeah, she teaches um, in Russia quite a bit, and I do speak Russian mm. as well. So I kind of thought about it a few times. I'm like, "Ooh, I wonder when she's going to be in Russia again." So that'll be Uh, really visit for me, you know? Yeah, I know the school um, you're thinking of. Yeah, I know the school. I know. I I just don't want to go to the school you're thinking of, but you know, yeah, fair enough. (laughs) Each to their own. Yeah, (laughs) right. Yeah, but if I have to do that to study with her, perhaps for a little bit, sure. Maybe it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah, it's worth it. I don't know. But it's funny when you're saying this, like, I mean, I remember one of my early, early, when I started, one of my early uh, workshops that I've ever taken uh, was with Sarah Horn. And no way. yeah, <laughs> it, so was, cool. it was amazing. A, I was blown away by the wire work. And that's, that was sort of the focus of that, that class that, that she was teaching and man did wire impacted my design at the time and like you said like you had to get it out of your system mm-hmm. I, I people started calling me the wire queen mm-hmm. i'm like okay it's i think that's that's a sign i need to like <laughs> like need to kind of step away from that but mm-hmm. um not really step away from that. And mine, my work wasn't really looking like her work, but it, the techniques that I've learned, I was so excited about that. I just kept using uh-huh. it and using it and using it, you know? Uh-huh. But, but it just, yeah, it, it's just kind of interesting that like in, in retrospect, it's like, yeah, I, I kind of had to go through this, all of these phases myself. I went through some of these. It's just kind of fun. I, it's but, kind of, I reckon it's kind of like digesting a meal. Like you can, t- oh, you go to a yeah. class, you get this information and then you bring it in and then like, it's almost kind of like your first response is it's like a copy or it's similar, very, very similar. Right. And then right. over time, as you start to digest it and you bring it more in line with what you're about, then it starts to look more like you and less like them. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of look at it this way now. Every time I go to, um, I, I still take classes right, left and center all the time. And I, I love mm-hmm. it. And every opportunity I get to volunteer, if I have the time, I gladly do it because mm-hmm. it's amazing. I, I mean, you learn so much, you know, yeah, I, I really enjoy it. And um, I would say, you know, in the past where I was learning anything and it was so new for me, I'm like, 
ooh, this is so cool. You know, I got to find a way to use this technique or whatever. Now I don't. Mm -hmm. I go learn a technique and I pack it in my mental toolkit. Mm -hmm. And then one day, somewhere, somehow, these things just evolve and come out. And I'm like, ooh, I know how to do this. I can do this. I can I can come up with any mechanic on the fly with mm -hmm. confidence. It's because... That's awesome. Yeah, I'm not afraid of mechanical side of things at all. Mm -hmm. In fact, mm -hmm. that's like, that's the easy part. It's like, oh yeah, I mean, I can make that. Yeah, sure. Whatever. And that's what that's the that's the result of good teaching, I think. Yeah. Like being a good student. Has taken things on board and then been able to put them in your own I, I I call it my own vocabulary, you know what I mean? But you can call it whatever you want to. Sure. And it's all about having the confidence to execute the technique and to execute the design, but to do it in your own vision. And it really took me the longest time to kind of pull that together. And I, I think that's because from a young age, like 20, 19, 20 onwards, I was exposed to like so many incredible te teachers because of the competitions I was doing and because right. of the people I was assisting. And that was incredible on one hand because I gained so many technical skills and got to see so much and got to meet so many people, make so many connections, etc. But at the same time, it was also a little bit detrimental because it took me, it's not like I was at home practicing my own style. And that's super important as well. Because if you want to be booked for something, you want to be booked because you're you, not because right. you're just a copy of someone else or you know right. someone else was busy so they booked you instead you know what i mean like mm -hmm. so when nowadays like um nowadays i don't really demonstrate that much or lecture that much so i i do a couple of big shows a year usually on a normal year usually in art galleries or museums or things like that so like last year i was at the cleveland museum of fine art i was at the mm -hmm. minneapolis institute of art and the houston mfa the houston museum of fine art as well so i kind of do Nowadays, because of, I guess, the kind of work that I do, that intersection between like the art kind of work and between the floral design, I do a couple of big shows a year and consider it done. Mm -hmm. And that's incredible to me, like that I can come from this like really awful little town, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Uh, not an awful little town, but it, you know, that's a terrible, I take that back. What I mean well, is I can go from a place yeah, that wasn't like the most affluent or most kind of, uh -huh. you know, it wasn't filled with opportunity, let me tell you, you know, and, and get to do some, some crazy, incredible things in a career that a lot of people would have written off, that's you know, true. working with flowers, you know. I think that we're the luckiest people ever. I think if you can live your life filled with beauty and doing what you love, then gosh, you you've won the lottery. You really have, you know. I I agree. I I totally agree. Yes, mm. I th I think um, the definition of success is doing what you love when you want to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Bottom line. That's that's right. When there's not and, a pandemic. As much of it yes. as you want to. <laughs> there you go. You know, yeah. in, in simplest terms, that is, of course, and you know, sometimes it's a lot of work to to get to that point, or you know, it, it always is a work to a degree. Mm -hmm. But of yeah, course. no, I agree. So, what would you like to see your career to go? Like, what? Ooh, that's a really good question. Not where it's going. Like, mm -hmm. you have a magic wand. What does it mm -hmm. look like? So over time, I would like to, and the way the way I see it going is I would like to do more on the art side of things and less on the 
flower side of things, if that makes sense. That yeah. sounds terrible because I'm on a flower podcast, but you know what I mean? Like that's kind yes. of, well, it's a, it's a design podcast. You know what I mean? So yeah. from my perspective, like I enjoy the teaching and the education. That's a big part of our business. And I would be lying if I told you that the weddings and events are not a big part of our business, you know, mm-hmm. because they really, really are. But personally, the way I would like to see the business going and my career going is I would like to very much focus more on the art projects and the art side of things. We've just started over the past like year, two years, we've started taking on some much bigger artistic commissions, which is super exciting. And we have a number of bits and pieces in play at the minute. It was one big sculpture we're working on, which was meant to be finished this month, but it now might be finished next month, or it also might be finished in February depending on COVID and times and everything else, because it's being installed in Germany and where I'm obviously in the UK right now and everything. So we'll have to see what happens. But yeah, I kind of think that I would, that's the bit that fills me up the most. And when Mm -hmm. I look at my career, I think I always want to do more of the things that fill me up and get me excited and that I feel like a real huge passion for. So Mm -hmm. if you were to say to me, Joe, in five years time, what does your business look like? I still think we will absolutely be doing education because I do love doing education, but Mm -hmm. I see it very much continuing in the, in the kind of route that it is now with me teaching hands-on less Mm -hmm. and less myself, um, Mm -hmm. and doing more digitally Mm -hmm. and doing more, I don't know, maybe books or like writing, like we have a a couple of eBooks that are on the, um, that are on our course site as well. We have one on, Mm -hmm. um, three, five, eight and the golden ratio. Mm -hmm. And we have one on, um, principles and elements, both of those are uh, $25 each, but you can find some bundle for it's $35 I think it is so yeah I think I will end up doing less education myself and more kind of I guess publishing for lack of a better word publishing courses or publishing books that that kind of thing and I think with the weddings and events I will probably I think look to do less of them but maybe of a much higher value I don't know. At the minute, we do about 50 to 70 weddings a year. Mm -hmm. Um, I would like to think over the next kind of five years, we will look to maybe do, I don't know, 20 weddings a year, 10 weddings a year. But the values of them will hopefully be more. I don't know. And really focus more on the artistic projects. So Mm -hmm. um, at the minute, we do about one or two big commissions a year, which are like six-figure plus um, mm-hmm. and then we do a number of smaller projects a year, which could be anything from, I don't know, like 10,000 to 20,000 or something like that. So. Right. Are those projects, there's sculptures, what's the medium? Are they, are they floral slash plant material related sculptures or? Mm-hmm. So a lot of them will have like steel mechanics. So steel okay. base or metal bases, for example, then we will have usually a type of botanical material that will last or preserve. So it might be like a preserved petal or it might be like a wood that we have treated or it might be mm-hmm. like um, we did a sculpture just in February, a set of sculptures for a ship that were a series of five willow sculptures, which had been set in, onto like a metal frame and then had been painted and then had been sealed and varnished. And then they get planted up with fresh plants. Oh, wow. So it could be, um, and that will stay in situ for like 25 years. So, um, right. so it just depends, depends on the project, you know? Right. That's pretty amazing. But I'm, I'm hoping that actually you do a lot more of those. I'm excited oh, to check it. out some of them, but, um, 
One last parting advice for a newcomer florist. Oh my gosh. Buy my courses. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Buy your courses. How funny is that? No, Uh, No, but they're like so affordable, you guys. Yeah, for real. You should go check them out. The website is learnjosephmassey.com. So Mm -hmm. I know there'll be links below this. You can check it out for everything. And we're going to do as well. So when you, obviously this podcast will go live on our launch day on the 21st. We will have a resource post on our blog as well that will link to this podcast. So we'll we'll push it too, which will be nice. Okay, my best bit of advice for someone who's just starting out in floral design, I would say be curious. I think curiosity It doesn't just kill the cat, but it can get you a whole career. And I think that you should attend as many shows as you can. You should attend as many workshops as you can. Offer to volunteer for as many things as you can. Because you you don't know what you don't know. Do you know what I mean? You have no idea what life is out there, what opportunities are out there, what jobs you can end up taking, who you will meet, what doors will open for you. And if I was to go back and say to me, about me age like 14 or 16 or whatever, I would say exactly that. I would be like, go for it, son, because you have got everything to play for. Be as curious as possible. Be nice, be kind and work really, really hard. And you can do whatever you set your mind to. That's what I would say. But it it starts with curiosity, I think. Very, very well said. Gotta kill the cat to waken the tiger, right? Oh, I like that. Just came up. I don't know. Oh, I thought that (laughs) was like an Armenian saying or something. I loved it. I was like, oh. I was thinking, I was like, you know what? No, it's it's funny that actually I said this to an employee. This is kind of Mm. weird. I, I hired her. She was... She still is actually an employee, very pleasant, very nice, very smart. She comes in and uh, during the interview, I was not going to even give her a chance because she was on a trajectory to go college and do this and that, the other. And I said, you know, I mean, for me, I'm looking for a long-term relationship. And for me, this is an investment. By the time you're great, you're going to say, so long. And here I am at the drawing board again. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, I'm not going to bring you in. And she says, so you mean to say that you're not even going to give me a chance and not even meet me? I said, huh. I like that. You know what? Come on in. Mm-hmm. She came in. We hired her. Um, by the way, I run a dental practice still full time. And mm-hmm. it's just for dental practice. She came in. So we hired her. She changed her career path and we put her through our assisting school. And she's fantastic and phenomenal. No However, way. however the first three months when I hired her, all of a sudden, it's like I interviewed a tiger and I hired a kitty cat. <laughs> like she's timid, barely talks, just shy. And I hired her for a very different position than she is now. Mm-hmm. And I finally sat down and talked to her. I said, I interviewed a tiger and I I ended up with a cat. What mm-hmm. what happened? Where, where is that tiger? That's what I, I really that. want. And she just goes, well, I don't like what I'm doing. I'm like, oh, well, let's talk about this. What do you want to do? Because I don't want you to be here and be miserable. And she says, well, mm-hmm. I like the other position, which is going from, you know, administrative work to clinical setting. I'm like, I can make you there in a year. I can train you to go there in a year. It's mm-hmm. going to take some work. And would you want to do this? And she says, yes, the very next day, I tell, I kid you not another person showed up to work and she's wow. been that person ever since because she just wanted to do that. That's and amazing. That's, I'm like, there you go. I'm like, my tiger's back. Thanks. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that. That's so good. So this is really, it was really good. And she's still part of the practice and she's fantastic. But yeah. Oh, amazing. I love it. That's anyway, so cool. 
Well, Joe, you're awesome, by the way. I can I can talk uh, to you all day. This is fun. Stop it. Stop it. Yeah, no, you know what? If it wasn't nearly mid if it wasn't nearly midnight, I'd keep on going. Right? <laughs> I gotta let you go, because you know, yeah, yes, you gotta go to bed. <laughs> I have work, I've gotta go to bed, girl. I've got work tomorrow. You know what I mean? Oh man. <laughs> no. Thank you so I, much I, for having me. It's been such a joy to chat to you. And same. um I, I can't wait for everyone to hear our conversation. It's gonna be so exciting. Me too. All right, Joe. Mm. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye. All right, guys. Well, that was it. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Be sure to check out our show notes with all of the links leading up to Joe's amazing and exciting new online class at such an affordable prices. I'm still still thinking about how affordable those prices are, you guys. It's almost like it'll be kind of ridiculous not to get. But anyways you know, who am I to judge? Just check it out. If it's your thing, great. If it's not, you don't have to. And uh, yeah, and be sure to leave us a review. If you like this episode, share it with a friend. If you like the podcast, please leave us a review. It really, truly helps us to do a lot more of this and bring you a lot more and interesting guests. So see you next time. Well, it's a wrap. Thank you everyone for listening, for tuning in to Viva La Flora Live podcast. We'll see you next week.